1: Beginning with verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness to receive with meekness the implanted words which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, for anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks at the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, that is not as a forgetful hearer but a doer of the word this one will be blessed in what he does if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceive his own heart this one's religion is useless pure and undefiled religion before god and the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world you may be seated so as we go through these verses this morning let me point out that they all are related one to another they're not separate thoughts well i know when i have read this in the past i kind of put it uh, into two or three different sections but really everything that james is talking about here is when you and i are challenged by the word of god how do we respond to it when you and i are challenged by the word that we read, or by the word that is spoken from a messenger of God, how do we respond to it? So, therefore, in verse 21, he says, Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Lay aside means to put away. If you remember um, in the book of Hebrews, he says, Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily besets us. Essentially saying that. We need to lay aside anything that would hinder us from God's word. In fact, that word translated filthiness there can mean earwax. And in this sense is what it means. It means we clog our hearing, our reasoning, our understanding with sin. And we need to clear it out so that we can be responsive to the word of God. When God speaks to us through His Word, if we have been uh, uh, corrupted, if we have been influenced, if we've allowed sin to run rampant in our lives, it's very difficult for us to hear His voice and respond to His voice. And that's exactly what James is talking about here. Lay aside all filthiness, be pure. Over, uh, all filthiness, all overflow of wickedness, be pure. Because an impure heart will prevent us from receiving what God has for us in his word. And his word is life, which is why James writes, Receive it with meekness, the implanted word. When you read God's word, it is implanted inside of you, which is able to save your souls. It is God's word that sanctifies us. It is God's word that That brings us to salvation. The Holy Spirit leads us and calls us. But it is the truth of the gospel message. Which causes us to call upon Christ as Lord and Savior. It is that gospel message. That foolishness to men. That truth that Jesus Christ died upon the cross. And he rose again. That he was the son of God. And that you and I can be reconciled to God through his sacrifice and through his resurrection. That's the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word is is that we're not to remain the same, but that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, the author of Romans says, Paul writes. That we're to be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are not to remain the same when you are saved. You are meant to grow. We're not to be. Paul writes again. Children tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. We have to grow. And the only way that you and I grow is through the implanted word in our lives. And the only way that word is implanted in our lives is by studying it and reading it. If I want to plant a garden, I can lay my seeds upon the shelf. But if I never take the seeds off the shelf and put them in the ground, I'll never sprout a garden. I can sit there with all of my might and will the seeds to grow. Grow seeds, grow seeds, grow cucumbers, grow herbs, grow whatever. Grow, grow, grow. But if I never take the seeds from the shelf and put it in the ground, they'll never grow. If you never take your word off the shelf. You'll never grow for the word has to be implanted in us and when it's implanted in us the Holy Spirit will water it God will give the increase and allow it to grow and in due season it'll bring forth life and it'll bring forth change we're not to remain the same if we are the same today as we were three months ago six months ago a year ago god forbid a decade ago something is wrong in our christian walk now we all progress at different stages right at different speeds not everyone progresses at the same speed as everyone else but we are all to be moving forward and progressing and changing and being sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us so that we are being made into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And the only way that that happens is through the implanted Word and the power of the Holy Spirit upon us and within us. us. It will save our souls. But we cannot be changed. If you and I have filthy ears, mm-hmm. and we do not clean them jokers out, we will not be able to properly hear, receive, or understand God's truth. Amen. I really, truly believe that's how the word is corrupted, and you get some of these crazy teachings that are taking place where they're uh, twisting scripture and they're saying that parts of scripture uh, that they're just not accurate at all or that the translation is wrong or that they didn't mean what they said that they meant and they take scripture and they remove things from it. That's sin clogging the hearts and the minds of men. Causing them to be unable to receive the unadulterated, unfiltered word of God and be changed by it. So rather than be changed by it, they change the word. And that comes from having dirty filthiness on us so that we cannot be changed. We cannot be tr- penetrated by God's word. When uh, Charlie and I were kids, we used to get out of the yard and, man, we would get muddy. Uh, we loved to play in the mud. we get water. We had this hill in the backyard that had no grass on it where we had ridden our, our uh, bicycles and ridden our hot wheel or not hot wheels but our uh, uh, what were those big things we were big that. wheels down the hill and all of the different things it had no grass on it and we'd like to dig holes and so we'd water the ground and get man we would get filthy dirty muddy now guess what mom would not allow us into the house until we got the mud off she wouldn't let us in until the mud was off we didn't get to go into her nice clean house. We had to stand in the garden hose and get rents completely dry, take off our dirty clothes, get rid of all that dirty clothes, get basically down to our underwear, and get scrubbed outside before we could go inside her house. Many times we are entering into God's house covered in muck and mire and dirt. That's right. And instead of being cleansed, we are dirtying the house of God with our own sin. Lord, Jesus. When God says, cleanse ourselves. And we all have baggage that we bring into the house of God. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about perpetual, habitual sin. And our thought lives at home. If you're doing anything at home that you're embarrassed, and if God caught you, that's probably sin. Right? TV shows, movies that you're watching, that's probably sin. Behaviors that you're participating in, if you're afraid that if God walked in on you, you'd be ashamed, then that's probably sin. You probably would not be watching that. Or doing that. Or speaking that way. If you wouldn't talk like way in front of Jesus, you probably shouldn't be talking that way at home. When we allow those activities and those words and those thoughts uh, to make us filthy. Mm -hmm. And then we want to enter into God's house and listen to his word and be changed by his word, but we can't because we're so dirty. Mm -hmm. We cannot hear or be changed by the power of his word. That's why so so many people come and they say, well, the pastor just isn't speaking to me. Well, maybe the pastor is speaking exactly what God's word says, but we can't hear him over our own sin. Mm. So we switch churches and we go to the next church. Well, the pastor just isn't speaking to me. It's because the problem isn't the speaker. The problem isn't the pastor. The problem isn't the teacher. The problem is us because of our sin. The root of so many problems in our lives is because of sin. And James makes that clear here. Put aside all filthiness. Put aside all wickedness, all the overflow of wickedness. Allow God's word to be implanted in you, and it will save your soul. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What's this mean? It means that when you are challenged by God through his word or through a message, through through a pastor or a teacher... You have to act upon it. You don't aren't supposed to hear it, say that was a good message, and then not do anything with it. Amen. I have to tell you that this pastor has preached some good messages since the Christmas series. Some challenging messages. Uh, challenging to you and challenging to me about what we should be doing. And how we should be living our lives. The, the James chapter 1, the last uh, first part of it. Again, a challenging message. This is a challenging message. Now what do we do with it? We're not to be hearers only. We're not to be readers only. But we're to be doers. Meaning, we are to be changed by the Word of God. We are to act upon that which we hear and what we read. Yes. Don't be doers. Oh, uh, don't be hearers only. Because when you are hearer only, you deceive yourself. When you hear God's Word and you say that doesn't apply to me, the only person you're hurting is you. When you hear God's word, and you're busy looking at your neighbor saying, I sure hope they heard that, you're only deceiving yourself, right? We need to hear God's word, act upon God's word, and when we hear God's word only, and don't act upon God's word, we're deceiving ourselves, we are hurting ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets the kind of man that he was. It's like a dude or a lady standing in front of the mirror admiring all of their flaws. Like, I I don't like looking in the mirror very long because I don't like what I see. Right? Uh, We don't like you look in the mirror, and what is a mirror? A nice, clean mirror reflects what? Everything that's wrong. It reflects every temple. Every dry skin, every bag in your eye, every wrinkle. Unless you're my wife, who still looks the same as she did when we were dating 20 years ago. Nice. <laughs> Had to throw that in there. Get me some points later. <laughs> but it shows every imperfection. Now, if I have a choice, I can look at those imperfections, walk away, and later in the day think, Man, I am a good-looking man. <laughs> Man, he has got it together. Put my clothes on, go away. And by, by the evening, I'm thinking, man, is my wife lucky to have me? <laughs> I forgot what I looked in the mirror and saw. But what God wants us to do is to look in the mirror. He wants us to see the imperfections. What's the mirror? The mirror is his word. Yeah. Amen. He wants us to look into the mirror of his word. And as that mirror points out to you and I, our imperfections. He wants us to allow him to fix those imperfections. So if I have a problem with my face and it's wrinkly, I can put something on it to help with the wrinkles. When I look and say, oh my goodness, my beard looks like a squirrel could live in it. I should probably trim my beard, right? Like when I look and I see those imperfections, immediately I can act upon those imperfections. I have a choice to make. What I see in the mirror I can choose to ignore and forget about it till the next day when I look in the mirror or I can make changes so that eventually the man in the mirror matches the man that I actually want to be and who God wants me to be. Verse 25, but he who looks to the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, it is not forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If you and I read God's word, we look into the mirror of his word. And we allow his word to change us. It says that we will be blessed in all that we do. God will bless us if we will allow ourselves to be changed and cleaned by the word of God. That's what it says there. This one will be blessed in what he does. You wonder why everything you put your hand to turns to dust. You wonder why everything you try to do seems to fall apart. Everything I try to do seems to not come to fruition. It's probably because of sin in my life that I haven't allowed the word of God to cause me to clean out. Amen. Amen. And so I'm not blessed in all that I do. Being blessed in all that you do, being blessed, if God's going to bless what you put your hand to, it starts with Purity. It starts with seeing and reading his word and being changed by his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you and I are reading his word and are changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, God will bless what we put our hands to. But if we are living in a life of sin and we're not being doers of the word, we're not reacting to the challenging word that God places us, or places in our hearts and in our minds, then he will not bless what we put our hands to. We yell at heaven and we shake our fists and we scream at the sky. And we wonder why things don't get better. It's because we have not allowed God's word to change us. Uh-huh. We haven't been doers. We've been hearers only. I don't know about you, but this is a good message today. Amen. Nobody else gets anything out of it. I'm getting something out of it. This is good practical teaching.
0: Yes.
1: To apply to our lives. I was actually thinking last night about preaching this message, and was like, well, uh, I don't know if it's appropriate or if it's right. And I thought, you know what? It's God's word. It's always appropriate. Verse 26. Now, remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the word of God, being changed by the word of God, being a doer and not a hearer only as it relates to being challenged by God's word. Okay? Verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. If we, from what uh, the Bible says, from the mouth flows the abundance of the heart. Mm -hmm. The Bible says in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 12. Uh, Jesus said that you are either justified by your words or you are condemned by your words. Yep. Out of our mouths flow what's really inside of us. And an unbridled tongue is a reflection of the sin that we've not allowed God's word to purify. An unbridled tongue one that is not in control of itself, one that is constantly putting others down, one that is using foul language, one that is using uh, uh, being used for gossip and for slander. That is an outward demonstration of an inward reality, which is that we're dirty on the inside and we need to put aside the filthiness. Uh, yes. And when you and I praise God with our lips, And then slight our neighbor with our tongues, we are double-minded. And we're only hurting ourselves. That person's religion is useless. I mean, James is pretty straightforward here. That person's religion, he says, is useless. You are deceiving your own heart. That's twice now he's using the word deceive to talk about us deceiving ourselves. What is the most tragic thing? not deceiving others deceiving ourselves Mm -hmm. because you're supposed to know you Mm -hmm. but we go out of our way sometimes to deceive ourselves so that we can justify our sin Mm -hmm. and we go and we speak words of negativity to our brothers and sisters in christ we speak words of negativity over the lives of our families we speak words of negativity. We are slanderous and we are gossipers and we are backbiters. Mm-hmm. And then we worship God with those same lips. Wow. Help us, Jesus. We're not deceiving anyone but ourselves. Amen. You're not even deceiving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You're just deceiving you. Wow. I'm just deceiving me. And that religion is useless. Any religious activity that you participate in, if your heart is filled with sin and impurity, that religion is useless. Go ahead and come to church. Go ahead and, as we already looked at, sit and listen to a message preach. Go ahead and hear a beautiful song service. Go ahead and talk a good game. Useless. Participate in all the sacraments. Useless put on a smiling face, look your brother in the eye and tell him how much you love him and then behind their back gossip about them, useless. Religion, useless religion. And we have churches today and lives today that are filled with nothing but useless religion where we have deceived ourselves. And we all deceive ourselves at times. Every one of us is guilty of hearing God's word and being challenged and then not doing what we were challenged to do. Amen. Many of us have been guilty to where we've actually said, God, I am going to change. And then two days later, we're back to doing what we said we weren't going to do anymore. Mm-hmm. That's because we haven't allowed God's work and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us to truly do its work. We looked in the mirror. We came to church on Sunday. We heard a message or we prayed in the altar, and we felt guilty for a moment, and we felt knew that we needed to change. We were looking in the mirror, looking at the imperfections. Then we walked out the door, and by Sunday night, the devil had us convinced we looked like a supermodel. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. All that was for naught. It didn't matter. Oh, no, you're not that bad. Oh, no, it's not that bad. Oh, no, that activity's not that bad. Oh, no, that behavior's not that bad. We deceive ourselves. Verse 27, he wants us to know what real religion is, what a real relationship with God looks like. It will allow God's word to change our hearts. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. That's the first thing. Now, why orphans and widows? Because orphans and widows are the class in society typically that can never repay you. Mm -hmm. They need help. They need to be taken care of. They need sustenance. They need provision. They need clothing. They need food. They need housing. They need protection. And they can never pay you back. An orphan cannot pay you back. Mm -hmm. Typically a widow who does not have a job, she cannot pay you back, will never be able to pay you back. That, what he's talking about here is true, godly love. Mm-hmm. Loving someone and taking care of someone and helping someone and doing something for someone, knowing that you will never, ever get it in return. Mm-hmm. That's love. He says real religion before God is love of your neighbor. Love of your neighbor, love of God, because you'll love your neighbor if you love God. That's real religion. Allowing God's word to change you. When he says take care of the orphans and the widows, you take care of the orphans and the widows. It's being obedient to the commands of God. He's basically using it as an example. Do what the word tells you to do. Do the least un- do the, the task that you find the most undesirable, that you'll not get anything in return. I saw... A video the other day on facebook and it convicted me it was a man in his wheelchair vacuuming the sanctuary of the church mm-hmm. and i said if you want to work you'll find a way to work right the thing is is that if we if we want to love people if we want to serve god we'll find a way to serve god Amen. and we'll meet people at the point of their need And it comes from hearing God's word and acting upon God's word and not making excuses. And then finally he says and the second reason is and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. To make sure that we don't allow the world to get all over us. We are to be in this world but not of this world. And we cannot allow the world and its sin and its systems to cause us to compromise who we are as Christians. We can't get busy reading the policies of politics and not read the God, the creator's word. Mm -hmm. We can't let the the world get on us. But what we have to be focused on God's word, God's word alone, and it'll manifest itself in our love for God, our love for people, and our desire to not let the world get on us, but to be separate from the world. Amen. One of the ways you know that you're changing and you're being sanctified is when you are no longer wanting to be accepted by the world. Mm-hmm. And listen, folks, you're never going to be accepted by the world. Because Jesus said, they hated me, they'll hate you. And we shouldn't expect to be accepted by the world.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.